0: paulo good to hear your voice yes it's good to be back here thanks for having me
1: and what's going on in washington dc
0: these days well um you can see that there's so many things happening (laughs) in washington dc it always is
1: never a dull moment
0: always is a fun time here
1: well we're not going to really talk about policy we're going to talk a little history uh in this episode so are you ready to go
0: yep ready on my end
1: This is Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm your host, Brian Reardon, and in this episode, we're going to look at stories of Catholic care from the AIDS crisis. And joining me, you just heard his voice, is Paulo Pontemayor. He is the Senior Director of Government Relations for the Catholic Health Association. Again, Paulo, great to have you with us. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Michael O'Loughlin. He is National Correspondent with America Media, and he is the author of the book, Hidden mercy. So, Paulo, uh, let's start with you. Um, early in your career, I thought this was interesting. You actually interned for an HIV outreach uh, organization in Guam. So, how did that experience shape and inform your work uh, in Catholic healthcare?
0: Thanks, Brian. I really look to my experiences that summer, uh, as you'll see in our resource that we published, as life changing. I was in between my freshman year and sophomore year of college and I had gone back home to look for an opportunity to maybe strengthen a med school application or a you know healthcare profession application and I didn't really know what I was doing um, other than I wanted to be part of a healthcare organization. I thought I was going to intern at the hospital But someone pointed me to the direction of the Coral Life Foundation, which was Guam's very first HIV AIDS community based organization, actually founded by one of the first indigenous people who was afflicted with HIV uh, in the early 1980s. And I got a chance to really learn from him about his experiences in New York City in the early 80s, uh, the compassionate care from St. Vincent's, which uh, Michael really highlights in Hidden Mercy and really this resource as well, and just how important Catholic healthcare was in ministering and taking care of people living with HIV. And so that really changed the course of my life. It got me interested in public health, really got me interested in looking at why health disparities exist, and also got me interested in looking at how providers can really exercise as much compassionate care as they can uh, to a population that oftentimes is very marginalized, regardless of which society, which state, which community that they're a part of. So it was really life-changing to be able to do that internship.
1: And I think that experience comes through, and it's it's mentioned, as you you said, in, in the new booklet that we uh, are releasing. It's called Hold Out Your Hand. This is a new resource that CHA has created around World AIDS Day, which every year is December 1st. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, how that process started with the booklet and, and and what you learned along the way in working with Michael on this project.
0: Yes, this, this is really a secondary evolution of our first experience working with Michael back in 2021, which I can't believe is two years ago, when we had all come together to have a conversation around the 40th anniversary of the discovery of what what is now known as AIDS. And so Michael was able to join us for that conversation and highlight really, I think, serendipis- serendipitous way what he had talked about in his new book, Hidden Mercy, which he had just released. And so I was really inspired by what uh, by a lot of the stories there, the, the way that Michael had really built on his podcast, Plague. And I just wanted to make sure that as a lot of these providers, uh, as you can see, courageous sisters, Priests and Catholic laypeople, you know, they're getting up there in age. We wanted to make sure we captured their stories to be able to talk about how their experiences really with a pandemic that we didn't at the time know the science behind or uh, the origins of. Catholic healthcare was there to provide care to anyone who walked in through our doors. And that really just inspired me to. To really approach you and uh, lisa our vice president of advocacy and public policy to essentially tell that story because it's it's really a beautiful story really complex story and really a story that we can learn a lot of lessons from in catholic healthcare as we move forward especially as we deal with future pandemics or the way that we also deal with hiv and AIDS currently in this country
1: right now really appreciate that context well Let's bring in the storyteller, uh, again, Michael O'Loughlin. He is national correspondent for America Media, somebody we've had the pleasure of working with. He's also, as we mentioned, author of Hidden Mercy, and he is a podcaster, too. A great podcast called Plague that CHA supported a number of years ago. So, Michael, again, great to have you with us uh, and great to hear your voice.
2: Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Paulo. And uh, Let me just uh, thank CHA for calling attention to World AIDS Day and the ongoing fight against HIV. I know uh, over the years, you've done a number of programs and publications. So I really appreciate the commitment CHA has to continuing to highlight this important issue.
1: Now, and again, like I said, the, the storytelling is just so robust and so important to uh, the history of our ministry. So. Let's talk about the storytelling real quick. Can you give uh, the folks listening that maybe haven't heard about your podcast Plague uh, or the book Hidden Mercy, just tell us a little bit about how those projects came to be and a little bit about what they're about?
2: Sure. Yeah. So Plague is a podcast from America Media, and the book Hidden Mercy is based sort of on the podcast going a little bit deeper into the stories. And the idea behind it was the church is confronting a number of issues today, including uh, the place for LGBT Catholics in the church today. And there was this whole period of history in the 1980s and 90s where uh, gay Catholics were really struggling with their place in the church and also with the new and then quickly expanding HIV uh, epidemic. And there was sort of this overlap between uh, what was happening in parishes, what was happening at Catholic hospitals, uh, the fight for LGBT civil rights. And I didn't know any of this history because I was born in the 1980s as it was beginning. And so I was too young to really pay attention. So, I began reaching out to people, uh, Catholic priests, uh, Catholic sisters, lay Catholics, who were working on the front lines of HIV and AIDS ministry. Uh, some were in pastoral care, some were in Catholic health care. Uh, and I was able to interview them and kind of get a sense of what was happening at the time, uh, learn some of that history that we risked losing because people were getting up in age. And then Mind that time in history for lessons for today as the church continues to grapple with these issues. So the result was this podcast and this book that is really in some ways an oral history from people who were living out uh, the gospel during the height of the HIV and AIDS epidemic in the United States.
1: Yeah, and, I, and you just mentioned that the lessons of the 80s and 90s really are so relevant today. Um, so you helped us with this booklet that we've mentioned, Hold Out Your Hand, which again, we'll have a link to that next to the podcast. You can find it on our, our, our website. Um, You write a really nice forward in that, and I I was um, reminded that in the forward to the resource, you mentioned that uh, you actually sent Pope Francis a copy of your book, Hidden Mercy, and he replied. Can you tell us a little bit about
2: that? Absolutely. When I finished writing Hidden Mercy, I was reflecting back on the interviews I had done. um, And almost down to a T, everyone I interviewed would pause and mention how happy they were to have Pope Francis talking about uh, issues that had been important to them in the 80s and 90s, uh, about the church being inclusive, being welcoming, going to the margins, acting as a field hospital. And they were just so excited to have a Pope recognize that kind that flavor of Catholicism. So when I finished writing the book, I decided I wanted to introduce some of these characters to Pope Francis because uh, they they were so uh, edified by his pontificate and I thought he should know about, about their story. So I sent a copy of Hidden Mercy over with a letter introducing him to a Catholic sister I write about in the book, a Catholic priest and a lay Catholic uh, who had been involved in HIV and AIDS ministry in the 80s and 90s and just said I wanted him to know about these Catholics who were living out the the gospel in ways that I think he would appreciate. And uh, to my surprise, I actually got a letter back from the Pope a couple of weeks later. It arrived uh, in my mailbox, a, a folded envelope from the uh, Papal Nuncio in Washington, D.C. And I, I was shocked. I, I didn't expect to hear back, but uh, sure enough, inside was a letter from Pope Francis uh, thanking me for sending him the materials, but more importantly, commending the individuals I introduced to him for really living out the gospel, uh, and as he said, at great personal risk to their reputations and vocations, because it was a rather taboo ministry at the time. So uh, it, was, it was a great coup for me in some ways, because I was able to use that letter to help promote the book. But more importantly, I was able to call the three people I had written to the Pope about and read the letter to them. And they were very moved by this because their their ministries had been difficult at times. They were often working away from the limelight because of the uh, taboo nature of the work they did. But to now be recognized by Pope Francis uh, was very meaningful to them. So as a journalist, being able to connect um, some people who did heroic work to their real life hero, Was an incredibly moving experience.
1: Yeah, and in the forward, uh, I love this quote from the letter. uh, The Pope says Instead of indifference, alienation, and even condemnation, he writes, These people let themselves be moved by the mercy of the Father and allowed that to become their own life's work. A discreet mercy, silent and hidden, but still capable of sustaining and restoring the life and history. Of each one of us. I mean, really, really powerful. So uh, that that's just awesome that he he responded and 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 shared those thoughts.
2: Yeah, and uh, each of the characters, coincidentally, who I introduced to the Pope uh, through my through my letter, uh, had done work at Catholic hospitals. Uh, they had volunteered on the AIDS wards. They had uh, volunteered in the chaplain's office, uh, offering pastoral care. So it was this nice connection between uh, the churches. Uh, very uh, powerful healthcare ministry here in the United States, and uh, HIV and AIDS work in the '80s and Pope Francis today. So I was glad to be able to make that connection.
1: Yeah, and so in this resource, you basically provide uh, snippets of some of the interviews you did, and as you went back and I guess curated that, let um, me share a little bit. Uh, are there impressions that came back to you as you revisited the work you did a few years ago, and, and what impressions did those stories uh, leave upon you, and, and maybe are relevant to the work we do in Catholic healthcare today?
2: Yeah, it was it was a nice. Opportunity. Opportunity to be able to go back because some of the interviews I had done are now three or four years old. And while I stay in touch with a number of the folks I interviewed, uh, it was a good uh, opportunity to revisit some of those lessons. And I think one that really stuck with me was the story of St. Vincent's Hospital in New York. Uh, It is sort of a legendary place in terms of HIV and AIDS care uh, because it was serving a population that was uh, most heavily impacted by HIV um, in Greenwich Village in New York City. Uh, And To me, it was interesting that the hospital that is now, uh, it's now closed, but that was so closely associated with HIV wasn't always, uh, wasn't always the most welcoming place. And the sisters of charity who I interviewed uh, told me that, that it was actually a challenge for them to connect with uh, their large gay patient population who was suffering from HIV, Uh, they had to learn how to bridge cultural divides. Uh, A Catholic hospital serving a a primarily uh, gay patient population in its HIV clinic, there were some bumps along the way. And as I was going back through the interviews, I was struck by the humility of the Catholic sisters, uh, the physicians, the nurses who were working at the hospital at the time, the humility with which they recounted the history and also their posture at the time. They said that there was uh, some actual physical clashes between uh, HIV protesters, LGBT protesters, and some hospital administrators, uh, different uh, demonstrations taking place in the hospital. But rather than uh, press charges or create more conflict, the sisters who were running the hospital said, we need to listen to the community to find out what's not working. What are we doing that is causing this uh, pain to be manifested in this way. and The result was uh, a series of listening sessions, uh, the community getting to know the hospital administrators, building real trust between these uh, stakeholders in New York City, uh, which resulted in a hospital that was able to serve a patient population that uh, maybe didn't share the same cultural background or same societal values, but nonetheless created this real dynamic of trust, and uh, the care that was available because of that uh, really was uh the, the best in the country.
1: Yeah, no, and that, and that story from Sister Karen uh, Helfenstein, if I'm saying her last name correctly, uh, I thought was really powerful. And I, I like the fact that in addition to you know, saying we need to listen, she's, you know, we need, she made the point like we didn't want to be defensive. And again, that idea of exploring common ground, I really think is powerful because there's a lot of detractors of, of the Catholic Church and of, of Catholic health care. And I think those words of wisdom from Sister Karen uh, to not get defensive to find ways to explore where they can work together, I think is really powerful. And and do you think that has, again, relevancy or, or implications for the world we live in today?
2: Definitely has uh, relevance for today. I cover uh, the Church in the United States uh, for America magazine, and certainly Catholic healthcare remains a vibrant ministry in the United States. Um, but society has changed quickly over the last several years, and looks like that pace of change will continue. And I think uh, the way that Catholic healthcare has responded uh, has been powerful in some instances. Uh, these. Uh, posture of listening continues, I think uh, sometimes there's a challenge of uh, capturing the right story, whether it's over issues of reproductive health care, uh, gender care, there's there's certainly challenges because society is changing so fast. So I think it's easy to look at history as something that happened uh, maybe a simpler time, but that's simply not true. There were great conflicts in the 1980s and 90s, and it was not inevitable that Catholic hospitals uh, would know how to respond. Uh, but there was this uh, insistence that the gospel could be lived out in a, a multicultural, pluralistic society. And I think we're seeing that play out today. It's, uh, the tensions will give way to solutions, uh, and we'll look back at this time and explore how uh, Catholic healthcare ministry responded uh, with agility in order to respond with compassion.
1: And they responded with courage, frankly. I mean, if, if you read your book, uh, listen to the podcast, I was just blown away about the risks and Really bold actions uh, that these uh, religious women and priests and lay people took uh, at a time of great uncertainty, um, and just again, uh, really looking at you know uh, the the church and and maybe going against the grain or re- definitely going against the grain. And um, it, it reminds me, uh, we we spent the last year working on a new vision statement for CHA, which I will share, and I want you to reflect on that. Is that our new vision statement is we will empower bold change to elevate human flourishing. And so these stories really, I think, resonate on the bold change and being bold. So can you share a little bit about um, how these stories might inform uh, those of us in Catholic healthcare who are are looking to embrace bold change?
2: One of the things that stuck with me was it wasn't simply that these uh, priests and sisters and lay uh, staff at Catholic hospitals, it wasn't that they were going against the church. It was society as a whole was very resistant to talking openly about HIV. Uh, they were resistant to caring for communities most affected, whether it was uh, gay men, IV drug users, uh, marginalized uh, immigrant communities. There was a lot of shame and stigma uh, and outright bigotry against these communities. And Catholic sisters, Catholic priests, Catholic lay people, they did respond with courage because they were in Gauging with communities that were already so stigmatized, they knew that simply by being associated with them, they could risk bringing on that stigma to themselves. But they did so anyway, and I, I think the lesson from that time is it. It wasn't easy work. They faced, the people who were engaged in this ministry faced a lot of uh, pushback, whether from uh, the church, from society as a whole, but history ultimately caught up and holds them rightly up as heroes now. So I think today, uh, if there's difficulties in caring for certain patient populations, if there's concern about... uh, Standing on the side of the gospel, standing on the side of justice, uh, it, it can be hard, but there are people who did this before and who survived and thrived and now their work is being recognized. So I think kind of taking the long view and looking at where we might be in 10, 25, 50 years from now, uh, where we know in our guts the gospel uh, is calling us to, to to be, I think these stories uh, offer some edification uh, in carrying out this ministry. Yeah.
1: No, great perspective. Hey, Paula, you want to uh, come back in and maybe uh, reflect on, on what you've heard and, and see if you've got any questions for Michael?
0: No, those were such powerful reflections for Michael. I I've, I've really, again, um, I'm drawn to really his framing of the courage of Catholic healthcare in some of the darkest times of kind of the HIV AIDS crisis. I had the opportunity when I was in New York um, earlier this year, to actually go to the St Vincent's former site and see kind of just how powerful the city saw kind of St Vincent's work was they put a plaque there just to commemorate kind of the important pieces that they offered to the community at the time very marginalized and also uh working towards again justice and uh working with a population that could easily be seen as secondary and not necessarily you know they're like people were very scared at the time of where AIDS was coming from. And so that was great. I also am really glad that uh, Michael was able to connect the past to some of the current work. And as you'll see in our resource, we highlight St. Mary's Center in Long Beach, part of Dignity Health and kind of the program they started in 1986 and how powerful that has been for the communities that they serve, especially um, gay men who continue to avail themselves of some of the resources there. So. Many of the pieces that we look to in history can also really inform and strengthen kind of the work that our members are doing now, the courageous work our members are doing across the country, some in places like the Deep South that we can continue to learn from and be inspired by, especially as they work with people living with HIV and AIDS.
1: Oh, thanks thanks for that, Paul. Yeah, and and I think uh, I, I got to do another Pope Francis quote. Um, again, in your forward, Michael, you're right, uh, as Pope Francis put it in a 2018 homily, we are children of a history that needs to be preserved, while noting also we are authors of a history yet to be written. So I think, again, uh, the historical account uh, that you provided in the podcast Plague, in the book Hidden Mercy, and now in this new resource uh, from CHA, Hold Out Your Hand, I think is really important that we don't don't lose sight of those who came before us and and the courage they showed in, in extending the healing love of Christ to others. Michael, thanks for being with us. Really appreciate uh, your contributions and your work with us uh, in partnership over the years. So thanks again.
2: All right, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: And Paulo, thanks for being with us as well. Uh, This has been another episode of Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm your host, Brian Reardon. You can listen and download Health Calls on all of your favorite podcast streaming channels and apps. We also ask if you're on one of the uh, podcast apps, give us a rating. We'd love to get a five-star rating from you. And of course, you can always access Health Calls through the CHA website, chausa.org. Check it out. We'll also have the resources that were referenced on this podcast linked to this episode section on our podcast page. As always, Health Calls is produced by Josh Matica and engineered by Brian Hartman here at Clayton Studios in St. Louis. Thanks for listening.